Amen, amen. You can have a seat. Our kids can head up to be with our team in Redemption Kids this morning. And I'd like to invite the rest of you to open your copy of God's life-giving word to the book of Acts. We'll be in chapter 20 today and just looking at one verse, uh, chapter 20, verse 28. And as you you turn there, um, let me just say welcome to the gathering of Redemption Hill Church. My name is Pastor Tanner Turley. I serve as one of the pastors here at Redemption Hill. And uh, you're catching us on the final week. If you're new, by the way, if you're new, we're glad you're here. And we would love for you to fill out the connect card at the bottom of your worship guide at some point just to let, let us know that you were able to come and worship with us so we can follow up and thank you uh, for doing so. Uh, but if you're new, you're, you're catching us on the, the tail end of a series that we've called Symphony, a Diverse Unity. And, and what we love about the, the church, the people uh, who follow Jesus Christ, that's what a church is, by the way, it's just a group of people who follow Jesus, um, is that Jesus pulls us together from diverse backgrounds, diverse ethnicities, diverse ages, diverse experiences, and he makes us one in him. And so the very first week, we look from Ephesians 2 and how God does that. He makes one new person out of people that were distinctly different and even opposed to one another. And then the next week, Pastor John introduced this idea of what it looks like to pursue unity on a daily basis. And then we came back on Mother's Day, if you remember, and and, and thought on what it looks like to live like family as the body of Christ. And then last week, we took on this topic uh, called spiritual gifts. And we said that there's a you in every one of you, right? That, that we receive gifts from God. They're to flow out to one another, but ultimately for the purpose of glorifying God and pointing others to him as these manifestations of the Spirit go public as we serve one another. And today, I want to help us think about the topic and in, in the theme of leadership in the church. You know, a church is what it is, not because of any one person, but because of many people, both leaders and non-leaders, that are all gifted by the Holy Spirit to push the mission forward. But as we're going to see this morning, there is a cost. I want us to, to think about the price of leadership this morning from Acts chapter 20, verse 28. And as we get into the word today, this is a wholly appropriate topic uh, for a couple of different reasons. Um, Not only should churches have a healthy view of leadership in the church, uh, such a critical component of a healthy church, but today we're going to have the opportunity to commission a new pastor in our midst. That's uh, Pastor Steve Agbula, uh, who we are going to pray over and commission uh, later in the service. But then also, as I shared last week, uh, sadly enough, I know some of you have been crying all week about this fact. Um, that's right, yeah, the, the Pastor Tanner is going on an 11-week sabbatical uh, starting today. And so, uh, you know, thank you for holding your applause. Uh, you get to get rid of me for 11 weeks. But, uh, but as I think about, as I think about it, honestly, there's a, there's a huge part of my heart that I'm super excited about it and the rest and the refreshment that, that, that is going to happen. Uh, but there's a, a, another part of my heart that's like, man, it, it hurts. Like, I, I love being here. I love serving. I love just, just hanging with uh, the people known as Redemption Hill, you. And so um, I'm going to need your prayers as we go. And really, really, what that sabbatical is about, it's about this, this, this text right here. It's, it's about drawing near to God, 
coming near to the heart of God, just to, to be the leader that God has called me to be so that I can continue to pay the price of leadership, not just for the next year or two or three, but the next decades that are ahead. That's why a season of rest is so important. But, but even though there's a pastoral focus here in this passage, I, I hope that everyone will pay attention. No matter what the leadership role that God has called you to or assigned to you, the fact of the matter is, is that we're all called to lead somewhere in our lives. It may be the workplace. It may be in our homes with our family. It may be in friendships. Listen, we're all going to exert leadership at some level simply just by the way we live our life. Now, the question is, is it going to be good leadership, godly leadership, or is it going to be, you know, suspect, not so great leadership? And at Redemption Hill, we, we care about leaders at all levels of what we call our leadership pipeline. So if you'll look at this, this image, um, one thing that we've done is we've developed over the past couple of years a more structured approach to how we're thinking about leadership in the church. If you're part of Redemption Hill, if you're part of a group, part of a team, then hopefully you, you already are understanding this reality of participating. And to be a good participant in the life of a church requires that one is leading themselves, or to be more theologically precise, it is to be led by God's Holy Spirit. But as people are following the leadership in, of the Holy Spirit in their life, then oftentimes what happens is they begin to lead others. That's that leader level. We have team leaders. We have group leaders. We have event leaders. There are leaders that are, that are all over mapped out in the life of our church. Some of those leaders, and this is based on ratios, but sometimes there's so many leaders, like our groups, our community groups have so many leaders that we need coaches who are not just leading others, but they are leading leaders. And then directors, the directors of our ministries, the directors of our teams, they are leading a ministry in our church. And then finally, the pastors, the, the elder leadership team, we are providing not just visionary leadership for a given ministry, we are providing visionary leadership for the church as a whole. And so what I want to ask you is, where, where are you on the pipeline, but not only where are you today, where does God want to take you in the future? Where does God want to take you? And if, let me just speak in some life to somebody here this morning. If you're looking at this like participant, I'm good, I'm all set, this is, do not limit what God wants to do in your life. We serve, in, we serve a powerful God who sees, who sees things in us that we can't see yet. This is, one of the, this is one of the things I love about leading at the, the elder level in our church, uh, the pastoral level, is we're providing visionary leadership for the church, and part of our job as a visionary leader is to see the potential that God has deposited in people by his Holy Spirit to say, if they keep walking with Christ and they keep serving and exemplifying Christ, look, why wouldn't they grow into a leader at some level in our church? And so I hope you're looking at this like, God, take me to where you want me to be. But even as we ask this question, where are we and where are we going, the question I want you to really consider is this, what, what kind of leader will you be? What kind of leader will you be? Will you be willing to pay the price? Acts, 28 verse, Acts 20 verse 28 helps us see this price that must be paid by all leaders, especially those who serve as pastors of a given church. 
This is what Paul writes in Acts chapter 20, verse 28. Look at this with me. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock of God in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. Just one verse today. We rarely do this at Redemption Hill. I want to read it again. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. As we think about the price of leadership, I want to give you five leadership truths that I hope you will not only use as a prayer list for the leaders in our church, but I hope you will use as a litmus test to say, God, how are you building leadership qualities in my life? Are these increasingly true of me? So the first leadership truth I want to give you is this. The first price that must be paid is this. Leaders love their God, all right? Leaders love their God. When, when Paul, speaking to these elders from Ephesus, he calls them to have this important conversation about leadership in the church. He says, pay careful attention to yourselves. And we note a couple of things here. Number one, Paul is speaking to a group of men, all right? He is speaking to to, to, to a group of leaders, which is why we at Redemption Hill really value team leadership, all right? It's, it's, not, it's not a one-person show. I mean, I love how Pastor John, uh, our pastor of, 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 of missions and discipleship, he loves to say in our covenant class, he loves to say, you know what? Some churches have, you know, a senior pastor that calls all the shots, but we know very well that we need a lot of pastors to make up for all of our lead pastor's inadequacies. You know, you know what I'm saying? Can you believe? That's not funny, is it? I know. It's not funny. I mean, I can't, I can't believe that he would say that. You know, I am the lead pastor, by the way, and uh, in case you didn't know that. Um, but, but you know what? He's right. He's right. We talked about this last week. I'm not omnicompetent. I'm not omnigifted, right? God gives us differently, and we need a plurality of leaders serving the church. But no matter what leader, uh, leadership level or, 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 or leader we're talking about, the most important thing about a leader is how closely they're walking with God. Leaders love their God. Paying careful attention to yourselves means living to honor God and glorify Him. I mean, we, we've spent a couple of years now with, with Pastor Steve and we've seen how he meets the qualifications of 1 Timothy 3 when it talks about the, the, the qualifications of an elder. They, they must live above reproach. They must be blameless. Uh, they must be a one-woman kind of man, sober-minded, self-controlled, able to teach, not a lover of money, managing his own household with all dignity, and the list goes on. Maybe you've heard this, this pithy statement before, leaders are readers. Have you ever heard this? Leaders are readers? It's true. I love this statement. It's very true. And especially if we're talking about spiritual leadership, leaders are readers, readers of this book, first and foremost. But I've got a better one for you. Leaders are not only readers, leaders are seekers. Leaders are seekers. Leaders are seekers of God. Listen, you show me a leader that loves the presence of God 
that just can't get enough of the presence of God, that loves to pray, loves to worship, loves just to be before God. And I will show you a leader that is ready to be used powerfully in the hands of God. Leaders are seekers. This is what I love about Steve. It's hard for me not to get emotional because this is... This man is the kind of man, and Felicia, this kind of woman, his wife, godly, godly people. We prayed for, and we pray that we will become all together. You can't hang around Steve and not be spurred on in your walk with God. You can't, you can't be around Steve and see his life and see a man who is praying and is seeking after God. And because of that, because he is just dwelling in the presence of God, it equips him then to be a man full of the Spirit, full of wisdom, and full of faith. Who we are before God is the most important thing about us, and this is certainly true of every leader in God's church. All true spiritual leadership begins with being led by the ultimate leader, Jesus Christ. And so please hear this today. Please hear this. Every leader, every participant, every person in this church who maybe God will raise up as a leader, the most important thing about you, qualification number one, is this, leaders love their God. We will be a great church when all of our leaders, not just a few pastors, but all of our leaders take very seriously this call to pay careful attention to yourselves and love your God. I love how it's happening. But there's more ground for us to take. There's more time to be spent with God so that we, out of that intimacy, can then be about God's ministry. So number one, leaders love their God. Number two, leaders love God's people. They know God's people. Paul says, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock. So, so what, is, what is he getting at? Here, here, here's what we need to understand. Leaders are in tune with the people under their care, all right? And, and leaders, especially pastors, but again, any leader, group leaders, team leaders, coaches, directors, um, there is a responsibility that goes beyond, listen to this, that goes beyond knowing someone's name and a little bit of information about them. You hear that? A leader that is paying careful attention to a group of people knows the spiritual condition of those they are leading. And so a pastor's primary responsibility, Steve, hear this, and you know this, a, a pastor's primary responsibility is to know the condition of the people whom they are leading as best as we possibly can to keep up with, to know how they're doing. And so why we, we pay attention. I mean, I have to be honest. Like when you're, when, when you're not here on a Sunday or when you're not connecting with a group or you're not going to a group consistently, guess what? We know that. And we, because we care. We really, really care. 
It's not something we can say, oh, man, this person, they don't love Jesus. They don't care about the church. It's not. No, we, we care about your soul. We, we want to know how you're doing. We want to we be aware of, of your, your current devotion and your current walk with God and however we can pray for you and encourage you and speak words of life to you. That's, that's, a, that's a leader's job. But then notice, I, I love that it says, Paul's very careful. He says, pay careful attention to all the flock of God. If we went to Ephesians 4, we would see that, that, that Jesus, when he ascended, he gave gifts to, 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 to men and to people, and, and, he, and he gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be pastors, some to be shepherds, some to be teachers, evangelists. I missed evangelists, evangelists. And why did he do so? He did so to equip the saints, that's everyone who believes in Jesus, to equip the saints, the church, for the work of ministry. And let me tell you why I get so passionate about this, okay? Because there are some gurus in the church, you know, like church growth gurus that say this. It's like, you know what? Man, pastors should follow the Pareto principle. Have you ever heard of this? In the business world, the Pareto principle says this. 20% of the people will give you 80% of the results. Think about it. It's pretty true to life. It's probably true in your workplace a lot of times. Like 20% of the people are providing... 80% of the leadership or 80% of, of the production, right? Well, um, I'm not down with the Pareto principle. It, listen, it's not okay for us to say, you know what, 20% uh, of the people in Redemption Hill are going to, you know, be the ones serving. 20% of the people are going to be the ones that are putting their, their, their stewardship dollars on the table to further the mission of Redemption Hill. 20% of the people are going to actually talk about Jesus with the people around them and not rely on everyone uh, else. And I just think that all means all. I just think that the church means the church. And so, so you take the Pareto principle, and I get it, maybe for the business world, but, but when it comes to the Bible, we're all in if we follow Christ. And so a pastor's job to care, to pay careful attention to the flock, a leader's job to pay careful attention to the flock means that there is comprehensive growth over time. Sure, none of us are where we maybe want to be, including me. I have room to grow, but that's the, the mutual care that we provide for one another, is to say, God, would you continue your work in, in them? Would you help them move forward so that they can be all that you've made them to be? Number three, leaders love their God, leaders know God's people. Then number three, leaders care for God's people. It says that leaders... Care for the church of God. And some translations say uh, not just to care for the church of God, but to shepherd the, the church of God. And so we have, we have two key words here in verse 28 of chapter 20, that the Holy Spirit makes these, these men overseers, but also shepherds. What is an overseer? An overseer is someone that is providing visionary leadership at a high level, and they're providing strategic thinking. They're seeing the, the whole picture of the church, the whole health of the church. They're fighting to make sure that we are going to healthy places, that we're sticking closely to God's word, that, that, that we're stewarding our resources really, really well, providing visionary leadership 
over the ministries and over the, the church as a whole. But then this idea of shepherding gets into the personal care that should be exercised on a day-in, day-out, week-in, week-out basis. And so caring for the church, shepherding the church of God is about caring for souls. It's about praying for and with people. It's about sitting down and listening to someone's story and then rejoicing when they rejoice and mourning when they mourn. But in all of this, listen, in all of this, in each of those moments, it's about then taking this book and, and, and speaking words of life into any and every situation. Did you know that the word is sufficient for every, every moment of our lives? Like God is a really good God. He's a really smart God. He didn't leave anything out. So if we have God's word and God's spirit, we have everything we need to be a leader. You don't even have to go to seminary to be qualified. Pretty, pretty good deal. I mean, seminary is a great thing. I went to seminary. I went a long time. I went for about, you know, what, seven years. It was important. But that is not what qualified me. And so just, just listen to Paul here. Listen to Paul, what he says. He, he speaks to the, look, look at verse 17. Now, from Miletus, he sent to Ephesus and called the elders of the church to come to him. And when they came to him, here's just Paul's heart. This is how Paul lived his life. Oh, God, make me like Paul. Make us like Paul. He says this, you yourselves know how I lived among you the whole time. From the first day that I set foot in Asia, serving the Lord, here's how, with humility, all humility, and with tears, and with trials that happened to me through the plots of the Jews, how I did not shrink back from declaring to you anything that was profitable and teaching you in public and from house to house, testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance toward God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I know that as I go to Jerusalem, constrained by the Spirit, I don't know what will happen to me there except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions await me. But then listen to what Paul says, but I do not account my life of any value nor as precious to myself. If only I may finish my course in the ministry that I have received from the Lord Jesus to testify to the gospel of the grace of God. Did you hear Paul's life? Did you hear how he served? Did you hear how night and day, public, house to house, in everything I am, I am seeking to love you with humility, and yet I'm never shrinking back from telling you from what God has already said. His mission was to, to unpack, he says, the whole counsel of God. For like from cover, that means for like from cover to cover. Paul was just, he, he knew the Bible so well. This is the tool of ministry. This is, this, is, this is where we gain our strength and our wisdom from. Every answer that every person ever needs in life, every solution is found right here. And so we just, we just march forward with words of life and we speak words of hope into people's despair. And we speak words of wisdom into their moments of confusion. We speak words of love in the midst of conflict and hate. This is what we do because we have been assigned by God to 
love him, to know his people, and to care for them, to shepherd them. And so I think if, we just, if we're just kind of being honest and stepping back, we say, wow, to love God, there's a price to be paid there. I mean, I have to say, this is, let me just go there, okay? Um, two years ago, I went to Rhode Island and God woke me up. It wasn't that I wasn't loving God before. Thankfully, I was one of the pastors at that point, you know. Um, It wasn't that I wasn't praying. It wasn't that I wasn't reading. It wasn't that I wasn't seeking after God. But there needed to be a shift in my life. There needed to be a different level of devotion. And one of the things that that someone uh, spoke over me, I never met him before, but the first words out of his mouth, he said, Tanner, you must be willing to pay the price for the presence of God. I got to tell you, that doesn't happen just 90 minutes on a Sunday. As, as, as important as these 90 minutes coming in and out are, I'm so thankful that you're here. Certainly, we're encouraged. We, we want worship to be the continuation and the catalyst for the daily worship that happens throughout the week. But daily worship, it must be. We must pay the price for the presence of God. It, it takes time. We must pay the price to know people. It takes time. It takes effort. It takes intentionality. And to care for them and to shepherd them and to love them and to give people, God's word and God's truth and direction, there's a price that must be paid. But here's the good news. Here's the really good news. God gives us everything we need to pay the price. He gives us everything we need to pay the price. We, we see this with the fourth leadership truth. Leaders are called by God's spirit. Well, look at this again. Pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock of God in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. And so let me explain to you how this works, okay? And this is, by the way, this is how God calls people into salvation. There's a similarity between how God calls someone into salvation and how God calls someone into ministry. It's not exactly the same, but it's very, very similar. Okay, and let me explain this, all right? The call to follow Christ goes to all people everywhere all over the globe, all right? Can someone say amen? That's really good news. That's really important. Thank you. I love that. So, 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 so there, like, God doesn't discriminate. I'm not going to start preaching now just because you didn't say amen. Maybe I am. Like, God loves everyone, you know? Like he, he, like, he doesn't discriminate. The gospel is for everyone. So the call goes to everyone, but as that invitation goes to all for all people to receive salvation, it takes the Holy Spirit of God coming in, shining the light of Christ to wake that person up out of their death, give them life, and to tug at them to say, hey, this is for you. You need Jesus. You need to put your faith in him to be, have this new life and to be saved. So one is the general call. The second, the work of the Holy Spirit is what we call the effectual call. In other words, the Holy Spirit makes the word of God effective in their life, and he pulls them into new life in Christ. Does that make sense? Do you follow me? A little theological this morning. Never heard anyone. Actually, it always helps. All right? So, so, so then how does this parallel with the call to ministry? Well, the call to ministry usually begins in the same way. There's this internal tug. There are these internal desires. Man, I want to serve people. I want to pray for them. I want to care for them in a way that, that, that begins to be heightened. 
I mean, Paul says it in 1 Timothy 3.1. He says, if anyone aspires to the office of overseer, he desires a noble task. And so perhaps you're saying, you know what, what would I rather do with my time? Maybe for you, it's discretionary. That's most people in our church. Most people in our church are volunteer leaders. We have a staff. We praise God for our paid staff, but we really praise God for our non-paid staff. Like Steve is coming on as a volunteer pastor, a volunteer elder, right? We don't, we don't have the resources to pay everyone in the church. And so some people are saying, you know what, what would I rather do with my discretionary time than to serve God's mission and to help people as they follow Christ? For some of us, that happens in a vocational sense. But that's the internal call. But then check this out. The internal call of the Spirit then is externally affirmed by the people of God. And so last Saturday, our membership got together at a, at a members meeting, and we, we had already you know, been praying for Steve and praying about Steve being a candidate for eldership in our church. And so we all came together, and we voted to affirm Steve as a new pastor of Redemption Hill. And this is what we see in the scriptures in Acts chapter 13 when, when the Holy Spirit says, hey, Paul, Barnabas, you guys are the ones to be sent out on mission. What does it say? Does it, did the church immediately send them out? No. It says they prayed and they fasted and then they laid hands on them and sent them out. So there is the internal call of the Holy Spirit drawing people into ministry and then there's the external call of the church saying, yes, this person loves God, they're qualified, they're, they're ready to serve and we're gonna send them out. And so leaders are called by God's spirit. We're made by God's spirit. And then this last leadership truth is really what carries us through the entirety of our ministry. Not only are we called by God's spirit, but we serve because Jesus paid the price. Every leader worth following not only loves their God, called by the Holy Spirit, but, but everything that they do, that we do, is motivated by who Christ is and what he's done for us. This is what Paul says at the end of the verse. He says, one more time, pay careful attention to yourselves and to all the flock in which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers to care for the church of God, which he obtained with his own blood. This is a clear reference to the sacrifice of Christ on the cross when he died for our sins. And let me say three things about the death of Christ and the implications for our ministries, okay? Number one, the cross of Christ is the theme and the message of our ministry. It doesn't matter what your spiritual gift is. It doesn't matter where you fall on the leadership pipeline right now. We have one message with Paul when he says in 2 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 2, 1 Corinthians, for I resolve to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. He is our message. We, we just like we're a broken record in the church. Jesus is the answer. It is through his life and death and resurrection that we have life today and tomorrow. So the cross is the theme of our message, but then number two, the cross gives eternal importance to all Christian ministry, to all Christian service. And, and here's the simple logic. Consider this. 
if the people you are leading were counted so valuable by the eternal Son of God that he would shed his blood and die for them, how can we not also attach infinite importance on their soul? If Jesus was willing to die for them, what will we not do for them as we serve them? It's the eternal weight, the the significance, the importance of our service. It all goes back to the cross of Christ. You want some some motivation to to wake up and set up some signs, venue team, or to come in and serve AV team and to sing? Like, to sing, we sing because Jesus paid the price. Richard Baxter highlighted the seriousness and the urgency of the work of ministry when he said in his classic work on pastoral ministry this. Preach as sure. And let me just stop there because you heard preach and you only thought Tanner. Preach. Anytime you open your mouth about Jesus, gets what you're doing. You're preaching. All right? You may not preach as loud as me. You may not preach as whatever as me. <laughs> but you're preaching. Like, is it to proclaim, to tell someone about Jesus? All right, here we go. Preach as sure to never preach again as a dying man to dying men. Preach as sure to never preach again as a dying man to dying men. This is urgent. This is urgent. I'm 38, I'll be 39 in December. And you know, some of you think, like, dude, 39, dude, man, so long. That's not how I feel. That's not how I feel at all. And people are dying without Christ. My neighbors who don't know Christ in a saving way, they are dying and they will go to hell. And no one wants, like, we don't want to hear that. Who wants to talk about judgment? Who wants to talk about condemnation? Who wants to talk about eternity separated from God forever? We all better want to talk about it because it's the reality. And not only is it the reality, but the joys of heaven and the treasure that Christ is and the life that he offers us. That's, 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 the, that's the keynote of our message, in my opinion, but we, we, have to, we have to help people see where they are. And we ourselves have to feel where they are, to know that, that they are dying apart from Christ. The cross gives us the theme of our ministry. It gives us the weight of our ministry, but then number three, it motivates everything in ministry. Everything in ministry is motivated by the cross of Christ. We serve because he served us. We don't see people from a worldly point of view, though we once did. We love people as he's loved us. We work hard to complete our work, remembering his dying words on the cross. It is finished. And so everything we do is in the shadow of the cross. Everything we do is in the shadow of the cross. So, so 
all of these, all of these like huge price verses in the Bible. I poured my life out like a drink offering, Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. I will most gladly spend and be spent for the sake of your souls, 2 Corinthians 12, 15. If you live, I live, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 8. Right here, verse 24, I count my life as worth nothing to me, not even valuable, if I only may fulfill the ministry that Christ has given me. Oh, to deny ourselves, to take up our cross, to follow Jesus. There is a price that must be paid. But we live in the shadow of the cross that motivates the price that we pay because Jesus paid the greatest price. And so the, the key point today for you to step out and to lead yourself and to lead others is that sacrificial leadership flows from the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. And I have to just be honest. I was, I was so tempted to, you know, kind of modify the, the main point, you know, kind of dumb down the language, you know. It's like, man, if you want people to step into leadership, then don't talk about sacrifice. Listen, we can't even talk about following Jesus if we're not talking about sacrifice. In order to lead people, to follow the king who died for us, we must be willing to sacrifice and call them into that same sacrifice and then to remind ourselves and everyone that to sacrifice our life for the sake of Christ is to find it and is to receive, in the words of Luke chapter 18, verses 28 and 29, to receive not only much, much more, 100-fold in this life and in the life to come. There is a great price to be paid, but there is a greater reward that awaits us as we follow him. And so as you think about what it means to love your God, to know God's people, to care for God's people, to be called by God's spirit in light of the great sacrifice that Jesus has paid, I want to ask you once again, what kind of leader will you be? Let's pray together. God, thank you. Thank you, thank you that you've given us everything. Everything, everything, everything we could ever need when you gave us your son. God, thank you that all of our serving is in light of his ultimate service and sacrifice on our behalf. And so God, it's my prayer that this morning, you would infuse the people of Redemption Hill with such a hope and such a conviction that we would say together, this is not just for a few. This is for us. That you're calling us to new places. 
God, I pray that this summer, even as I, even as I go on a season of rest for 11 weeks, and, and I'm not going to be here on Sundays, and God, you know that... You, you, Thank you, God, for, for a season of rest and how you'll even just protect my mind and heart as I'm thinking about uh, the church and thinking about what's happening and thinking about how people are doing, Lord, that ultimately this church belongs to you. And God, ultimately that you are the one that moves our hearts. And so, God, I just pray that you would take us into new levels of devotion in our walk with you that we would become all the more serious, that we would love you all the more, that we would that we would really care about one another, that we would live in community, that we would serve, that we would share, that we would do everything that you've called us to do because of everything that you've done for us. And so God, move us out. Move us out in victory because of the victory of Jesus Christ. We thank you for his life, his death, his resurrection. We pray in his name.